So good morning. We're going to be together this morning, verses 9 to 11 of that chapter which Clive so clearly read for us together. <clears throat> so for those of you who are visitors for the first time, we're in a series, we've embarked on a series of going verse by verse through the whole of Romans chapter 8. And two weeks ago, Beth announced the good news that we are saved from a life of compulsion to sin to a life of holiness. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his son in the likeness of sin, a sinful man and to be a sin offering. And she quoted the hymn, The law of God is good and wise, and sets his will before our eyes, shows us the way of righteousness, and dooms to death when we transgress. Its light of holiness imparts the knowledge of our sinful hearts, that we may see our lost estate and turn from sin before too late. To Jesus we for refuge flee, who from the curse he sets us free, and humbly worship at his throne, saved by his grace through faith alone. And last week, Claire taught us how important our mindset is. Our minds are either set on what is the sinful nature desires, or on what the spirit desires. And Claire instructed us how to be those who desire the things of the Spirit by leading us through a whole series of Bible passages which made the point and gave us the how-to, how to be those who desire the things of the Spirit. So turning to verse 9, which is my verse and the NIV version says, you, however, and you, however, and you, however, and you, however, is talking direct to each of us and to all of us. You, however, in the light of what's been said in those earliest verses, you, however, um, are controlled not by the sinful nature but by the spirit if. And you notice in these few verses that four times over, Paul says if. If, 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 if. He's saying, if this is true, then that follows. But if this is true, then that follows. There is no in-between, no middle ground. It's either or. It can't be both and. So let's read those verses 9 to 11. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, uh, <coughs> your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit 
who lives in you. In Romans 2, 13, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 to 6, Paul writes, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. When I've worked in department stores, I was in soft furnishing for many years, there came the annual stock take. Every inch of every roll of, the, of every uh, bulk of cloth on display and in the shelves had to be measured to the inch and labelled, marked back as it was sold and then at stock taking day every piece was listed and checked out against what the accountant said should be there in value as against what was actually there in stock. Examine yourself, says Paul. So how are you doing? How are you doing when you think about it? If this, then that. And if this, then that. That's very clear. I think you'll agree, Paul. Very sure about it. But let's take a moment before you go down the drain entirely or sink into a depression and think, oh God, I'm in trouble right now. Let's take a moment to see. Paul says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. He's talking to Christian believers. He says, you're not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. So the question is, do you believe what God says about you in his word? Or will you believe your thoughts, your feelings, or those accusations of the enemy that come in so easily, the way your um, life is going today, your health is, whatever it is? Or will you believe the word of God? You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. Hallelujah. So remember, Claire taught us about our mindset. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires, and so on, as those verses 5 to 8 read. So it's the truth of God, or what our thoughts, our feelings, etc., may be telling us. I'm always struck by uh, the Apostle Peter at Caesarea Philippi. Remember Jesus took them away, spent some time with them, and uh, he said, asked them the question, who do men say that I am? Well, I'm sure Peter was in with the rest because he's got his ear to the ground, knew what folk were saying, and one say this, and one says that, and one says the other. So Jesus narrows it down and says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter's right in there. He's, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. But a few moments later, Jesus is rebuking him and saying, get behind me, Satan. You see, he's playing the field. He's listening to everything, picking it all up and, and 
spilling it out as though it was all true. Set your mind. Set your mind. We see in his letters later on very clearly Peter had made his mind up and was set clear. When I was at uh, Bible College, the motto, our motto was Tar and Ophronite. Of course, you know what that is instantly. Well, I'll tell you then. Uh, in Colossians 1, you'll find it in verse 2, but to put it in context, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, tar and ophronite, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So the scriptures is clear consistently. Make your mind up. Be clear-minded, not double-minded. Because James tells us that a double-minded man won't get anything from the Lord. It matters on our mindset. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, here's the key. If the Spirit of God lives, or other versions has, dwells, in you. He made his home in you. When you begin at the beginning of your Bible, you find God walking in the garden with the first two, walking and talking and sharing with them. Fast forward uh, to Israel in the wilderness And God comes down to dwell in the tabernacle in the midst of his people. Fast forward again to Solomon and his time. The temple's been built and the Spirit of God comes down to rest in the temple in Jerusalem to abide there forever, we're told. But fast forward again to the New Testament and there's a major shift. Here it is, 1 Corinthians six, nineteen and 20. Do you not know, this Paul's saying to these Corinthian believers, these are facts, this is an understanding you should know. Don't, don't, don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own, You are bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. By the way, just to underline, bodies matter. God created us body, spirit, soul and body. And his dwelling place is in bodies. Victor, would you do me a favour? I want to look at this man, fine figure of man. Nothing, not eating so many sausage rolls on the Wednesday wouldn't put right. (laughs) But what do you actually see? A living, breathing, walking, talking temple of God. This is real, folks. 
It's not mind over matter, it's truth. That's true, not just of Victor, but of all of us. And then we read in 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, as you come to him, that's to Christ, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. Not only are God's people individually and personally temples, but he's out to build us together to be a temple with Christ, the living stone, the cornerstone, all built to him. I've had a visual aid of that during the last couple of weeks at home where we're having an extension built and I've seen the professionalism and skill of the builders as they stretch their line using their spirit level to get everything exactly right, each stone, each brick, each block joined together perfectly in the, its place to come become uh, a real great finished looking building. I also had one of the builders chat to me something like just after seven o'clock one morning and uh, he's telling me the biggest challenge is for a, a brickie is when the bricks aren't all exactly uh, equal, the different shapes and sizes. It's a challenge to build them together. Jesus said, I'll build my church and he's the wise master builder. And uh, take a look around, folks. Not all the same shape and size, and I'm not just talking physically, <laughs> which is a relief. You might be getting after me for hate speech. <laughs> but spiritually, experientially in Christ, there are whole different shapes and sizes. But everyone... Everyone without exception is built into that temple, that living temple. There are no spare bricks. Everyone built in to that living temple. So let's pause for a moment. I'll pursue this more um, tomorrow in the uh, leftovers, but just to reflect on living temples uh, on the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, and you should know this, if I started, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. He's real and he's there to fellowship with you. At any time, every time. The disciples had Jesus only when he was physically present. We have the Spirit of Christ all the time. All the time with us. Ephesians 4.30 says, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you're sealed for the day of redemption. He has the same sort of emotions as you or I do. And he can be just, just as upset and grieved by things we think or say or do. 
Don't grieve. He's real. He's, he's personal. He lives within you. And Jude 20 and 21 says, You, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And keep yourself in the love of God. How do you do it? Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit at all times, at all occasions, Paul says. I tell you, one of the key ways to build yourself up is by praying in tongues. And if you're neglecting that, you're neglecting a precious gift of God that will strengthen you and empower you to live a godly life. I say that from very many years of experience. So now, putting that together, it's our, our relationship to the Holy Spirit which is key to our overcoming the sinful nature. Our relationship to the Holy Spirit is key to our overcoming the sinful nature. It's not our efforts through gritted teeth, the uh, penal servitude, as Romans 8 uh, verse 1 puts it, but the enabling of God the Holy Spirit. Remember, he is the one, Jesus said, uh, that who being just like himself would come to help us. So God himself, by his Spirit, is there to help us in that relationship to the Spirit as we seek to overcome the power of the sinful nature. But that's very key now because moving into verse 10, we read, if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. That's the righteousness of Christ, which has been imputed to us by grace through faith in our risen Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, so that we've been uh, justified in the sight of God. There is no condemnation. We're, uh, we may approach the throne of grace with confidence because of that transformation that's taken place in our lives. But Romans 8.10 is in a nutshell what Paul has to say in uh, Romans 6, 1 to 14, where he opens that up in Romans 8. He's summarizing it. We read there, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Remember I told you some weeks ago about Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones saying to preachers, if what you're, the, the gospel you're preaching doesn't sound like too good to be true, I doubt you're preaching the gospel. The response to Paul and his gospel he's declaring is, shall we continue to sin that the grace may abound? It's so amazing, so wonderful. He says, by no means, or the old King James are like, God forbid. God forbid, we, listen to this carefully, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We died. Let me quote um, an illustration from Derek Prince, one of his radio talks many decades ago, last century. He said, picture this. There's a man who's uh, 
much given to uh, his beer. He smokes, chain smoker. His wife's a Christian, but he'll have no talk of religion. He's a blasphemer. Uh, he abuses his wife. He's tough on his children. One Sunday night, he's sitting at home in his seat with his, his drink and his uh, cigarette there and suddenly has a terrible heart attack and dies. He can no longer reach for his beer or take his cigarette. His wife and children come home. That's because he's dead. His wife and children come home from the, the gospel hall. They're singing the new chorus they learnt today and they walk in the house and he doesn't say a word. He doesn't give them a hard time. He doesn't blaspheme. He doesn't abuse them. He's dead. He's dead to sin. He'll never sin again. So listen to Romans 6. We died to sin. How can we live any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Have you been baptized by immersion as a believer? I remember the day well, 1957. That dates me. But you remember what happened? What Paul tells us here is you are buried together with Christ in the waters of that baptistry. And you are raised to walk in newness of life. I buried a lot of people physically. They never got up and walked away from that grave after I said dust to dust and asses to asses. But you got up out of that grave, that watery grave, and walked into a whole brand new way of life. But listen, you died and were buried. I know the day I was buried because I could attend the wake afterwards. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. A new creation in Christ Jesus. Can you hear what I'm saying? This is what Paul says. Don't you know? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And Paul goes on to tell us that Christ, because he's died once, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. Can you hear what he's saying? And he says to us, Romans 6 verse 8, Now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. For we know that Christ uh, was raised from the dead, and so on. And so he goes on to tell us there's something we must count upon. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God. There's something to count upon. You're dead and buried. That's the old nature. 
you were dead and buried. Count upon it. And there's something to do. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body the sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness for sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. If you've been to your own funeral, then the old way of life's gone. It's dead and buried. Walk away from it. And you can do it. Why? Romans 7 talks about the struggle, the good that I would, I, I don't do, and the evil I don't want to do, that I do. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory and goes on immediately to say, therefore there is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by sinful nature God did by sending his own son in the likeness of, of sinful man to be a sin offering and so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit you're free if you believe it that's why Paul says if, if, if if this then that if this then that need to be very clear the answer is in baptism Christ died for and on behalf of you but he died as you he took your place and death no longer has power over him we have the Holy Spirit the spirit of life to enable us to fully uh, to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law to live a godly life it's the Holy Spirit who in person has come to tabernacle to dwell in you who is the power to live that godly life Jesus has done it all it's finished you don't have to live that way you're free you're free you're free remember what um, Dr. Boot was telling us it's for freedom Christ has set us free we're free to live a totally brand new life and lifestyle by the grace of God because he comes to dwell in us to make it possible wow folks you won't get a better deal anywhere on planet earth today or any other time soon it's the best and it's real and it's true and it works hallelujah if you need to hear that from someone talk afterwards ask people about their experience I've been to my own funeral and I live to tell the tale hallelujah hallelujah but it gets better we won't always struggle with this flesh and blood we won't always listen to this verse 11 of Romans 8 and if the spirit 
of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. That's the glorious hope. That's the glorious hope. You've really, really got to go to 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 35. Someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? And Paul goes on to illustrate that. We had a graphic example of that um, just uh, last Sunday, I think it was, that uh, the Norwich had the Open Gardens event, and uh, the gentleman lives in the cottage just down the road and round the corner from us, whose whose garden, uh, a very small garden, was one of those open gardens. It was well worth the four pound for charity uh, to get round his garden. He moved in eight years ago. It was a jungle, just covered with shrubbery and big tall trees all round him on a slope. His neighbour kindly looked over the wall when he began to cut down the shrubs and tell, you'll never grow anything there. He's dead. I've never seen such a beautiful array of flowers of every kind and hue. It's absolutely died. And you think he just put in seeds and bulbs of every kind. And now, from the tiny ones to the great big tall ones, a magnificent show, uh, as good as you'll find anywhere in the country, a delight to behold. And Paul says, that's a picture when your body has been dead and buried and it's raised. It's going to become something out of this world. Something out of this world. So he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 42, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown is perishable, is raised imperishable, is sown in dishonor, is raised in glory, is sown in weakness, is raised in power, is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. That's a glorious transformation. A glorious transformation. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, that's Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. As is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Is that you? As is Christ, so are you. Now in potential, but then in reality. How do I know? Paul says, I declare to you, brothers. I love Paul when he's in this mode, in this spirit. I declare to you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Think about it. It's obvious, isn't it? Listen. I tell you a mystery. 
we will not all sleep, but we'll, we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the feast of trumpets, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying is, that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? And where, O oh, death, is your, your victory? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because you died to the sinful nature and because the Spirit of God lives in you, you're going to make it to that day. Going to make it to that day. When you'll become what you were destined to from all eternity past. Oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. How can I close? I think I have to go to Paul in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurable more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, the Holy Spirit, according to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing. I think Charles Wesley summed up what I've been saying in his hymn, Love Divine, or Love Divine, sing it from the heart, sing it because you believe it, sing it and live it by the grace of God. Amen.